Welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Inside Hockey East. Inside Hockey East, presented by Black Diamond Networks. Black Diamond Networks, the experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. Well, we uh, began to build a relationship with this man last year. Uh, was hired uh, just after the pandemic descended on the world and uh, survived the pandemic season, his first season as the hockey supervisor, supervisor of officials. I'm sure that uh, our guest is grateful for a season that would have begun now with some normalcy with college hockey beginning in October. Great to have Brian Murphy joining us again on the program. Welcome, Brian. Well, thanks, Bernie. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. And um, I think you guys do a great job when you do the BU telecast. So uh, you, you really uh, explain the game very well from an officiating perspective. So we appreciate that. And, uh, looking forward to talking to you here today. Well, thanks, thanks very much for uh, the kind words there. And uh, remind everybody uh, that I am talking to one of the two Americans who officiated over 2,000 NHL games and uh, has uh, quite, as Bill Parcells used to say, he's got a few pelts on his horse as he uh, has come back full circle to Hockey East, where I remember him working back when I first started broadcasting back in the 80s. Brian, an unusual season to say the least, but your thoughts on uh, coming back and being re-engaged closely with college hockey again? I just love it. I really do. I mean, I, I was looking for a, a transition in my life. Uh, I worked 32 years for the NHL, and over that time period, they all these uh, new app phones, they all track everything you do and everything, and that was the worst thing because mm. we stayed at Marriott Hotels, and I stayed, I had 4,400 Marriott nights, and, <laughs> and that's about 12, about 12 years of your life in a hotel room. Wow. And, uh, it, oh. it, it all sounds good when you're traveling to, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it you get tired of it after a while with work travel, and uh, I had had enough 32 years to it was a great journey, and I, I enjoyed every minute of it, but uh, I had enough, and it's, it's nice to be home on a regular basis. Um, but I really enjoy the college game, always have. I grew up, um, my dad was a season ticket holder at the University of New Hampshire and uh, mm-hmm. went to the games at the old Snively Arena. So um, to be back, uh, you know, I started officiating, you know, all I wanted to do, I uh, my mentor was a guy named Dan Raposa, who referees hockey in oh, yes. the mid-'80s. Yep. And so Danny was my high school hockey coach. He got me into officiating, and I really, I really just wanted to get into college hockey. And the pro thing came along, and I got that opportunity, and it was a privilege to be there for 32 years. But I love the college game, always have, and always will. And it's just great to be back, and it's great to be back. We just have a great group of coaches and players. You know, I, I talk to the coaches all the time, and it's just uh, it's great working with them and trying to make the game better. And um, I, I find it. Uh, I think when I started the job, I was thinking it was going to be combative, but I find it more to be collaborative. And mm. I think that's the key thing. We're working together to, to try to make the league better, to try to make the game better. And uh, it's just a privilege to be around some of really, I mean, we have some of the best college hockey coaches in the country in this league. So it's a privilege to be around. And, and from my perspective, uh, broadcasting now, my 36th year of calling games, I've, I've been calling them all the way back uh, uh, to the beginning of hockey's. I've seen now a new generation, maybe a couple of generations of officials that have uh, been developed over the course of time. seems like you've got great strength and, and great depth with some of the, the names that I've become more familiar with that are uh, working and, and working on a consistent basis for you. That, that's got to make your job a heck of a lot easier. Well, it does. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, the, um, you know, Hockey East is considered the premier league out East. That's no disrespect to the other two leagues, but it's just the way it is. 
great to see things like that happening um, from our perspective because it shows that you know that our guys. Yeah, it was the biggest thing I learned when I came back to college hockey. Is how much I think people wouldn't realize this is just a part-time job for these guys, but they really care. They love the game so much, and they and they want to get better. Um, I've been talking to two or three officials already this morning. That, you know, just going over some games from this past weekend, and you know, the officials want to get better. They want to learn. Uh, we're trying to work with them a lot, all through video, um, to teach them how to get better and teach improvement. And that, you know, I think people. It's easy to criticize officiating, and it happens at every level and every league. It's easy to do, and I get that. But I think the the key component is: are, are you trying to get make your officials better? And I can tell you, in hockey, that's what we're trying to do. I had my uh, annual uh, guest uh, opportunity with uh, bringing Frank Cole on uh, hockey on campus on Sirius XM NHL Radio, the, the national director of officials. He reminded me it's a non rules change year, but uh, there are still things to be addressed. And always uh, at the forefront, as well it should be, um, is uh, is the player safety uh, issue, which uh, they really look to have a uniformity across the six Division One leagues in that regard. Well, we're we're kind of unique in hockey East in that regard, I think, because uh, at the start of this season, um, at the end of last season, I, I submitted a report to the athletic directors to the to the hockey East coaches, and I met with the coaches in May and Wakefield, Mass, and. Um, my proposal in that report was that we would do a player safety meeting, a mandatory player safety meeting this fall, and we did conduct that. We had mm-hmm. over 300 players and coaches on a 35-minute Zoom call one night, and we reviewed uh, numerous videos from last season uh, from our league, uh, a couple from some other leagues, and some video from the NHL, uh, basically showing the players the legal way to check um, and then some illegal play and and how to you know make the game safer and that was our whole goal is to try to reduce the number of supplementary discipline decisions that we have to make um, to reduce the number of suspensions and, and really just become a, a safer league I feel that you know there was some reckless play last year that I noticed when I started watching the league on a, on a daily basis that I felt this needed to be corrected um, you know and, and, the, and the thing that created the, um, the player safety meeting was the fact that when we analyzed our supplementary discipline decisions, we had nine suspensions last year with five of them which are freshmen. And so we felt that the players coming in the league just maybe didn't have a concept of some safety measures that you know they should think about before they go deliver a check. And so we kind of brought that to light. Uh, got great feedback from, from the, the various institutions, member institutions. They thought it was uh, – great opportunity for players to see how the, you know how to play the game the proper way not, we're trying to encourage hitting that's the biggest thing I've tried to bring when I came in last year is you know we're trying to encourage hitting just the player falls down doesn't mean that draws a penalty we're trying to encourage hitting and I think the, the coaches have recognized that there is more hitting in the game now hmm. um, in the hockey and we're trying to bring that on the legal checks we're not looking for anything illegal um, those are the things we're looking to penalize and we tried to show the players through video examples how best to do that um, uh, it's too early to measure whether that's going to be a success or not right um, but we'll uh, obviously we'll know by the end of the season but we feel you know it, it's easy for the NHL when they do we don't want to put out stuff major dis- discipline decisions in college because we don't want to embarrass the players their student athletes um, it's a little different at the professional level um, they're obviously paid performers. I think it's a little bit different scenario. And so the league, 
leagues are able to educate their players through, you know, putting out the public statements and showing players exactly what, you know, being suspended upon. I mean, when I was working in the NHL, I mean, a hit would happen in the game and the player would come up, players would come up to you, you know, later in the game and say, oh, that guy's getting suspended. You saw the video. Hmm. You know, and so they had a knowledge base of, of what, you know, what illegal hits are. And so I think we, we tried to create a knowledge base for our college players by doing this. Kind of unique how the college league has done it, and uh, I think we're pretty proud of that. No, absolutely, and that's uh, obviously uh, insightful uh, in terms of your research that the percentage that we're freshmen. It is an educational point, Brian, as players that come from so many diverse backgrounds and leagues from literally around the world to know what the standard is and to know that they have to adhere to it. And, and that's and that's something we've brought to that. Tried to bring to the league since you know, I got involved is that. We have weekly communication between our office and the officials, and it's all you know. It's emails, but it's, it's video examples within the emails on what our penalty standards are and what penalties we want called and plays we don't want called. We show them numerous video examples all during the season of that. And what we also do though is we share that information with all eleven head coaches, and obviously the head coaches are sharing that down, but. It's to put everybody on the same page and to have a collaborative approach to to officiating within the league so that everybody knows what the standards are and what's expected. And it's up to the teams to adapt to those standards that we're trying to enforce. They see see the videos on on how we try to to enforce things, and it's up to the teams to adapt and to play within the rules. Obviously, I mean, uh, the old adage, if uh, you cheat, you're not winning. You know, I mean, listen, I mean, yep. it, it, it is sports in general. I mean, they're, you know, teams are going to push officials to the limit to find out, you know, where the where that limit is. We are trying to use video examples to establish a standard so that, you know, the officials know the limit yeah. and the players know the limit. Yep, yep, absolutely. And I know one uh, particular point of em- emphasis that I think has been uh, cleaned up uh, in in the way that uh, it's addressed. The face-off protocol, I know, is something that uh, has r- really been been something that has been emphasized now for the past couple of seasons, and I think the players are getting used to uh, what the tolerance level is there and what it isn't. Uh, um, the, the face-off are, are the NCA acknowledged that, you know, they changed the rule last year before last season. It's uh, gone to an international rule kind of away from the NHL rule and what it creates is it, 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 it gives the team sometimes a free pass on the first one hmm. and so some teams will really more push the limit on the first face off and I, I, they now get into a position where I mean we don't like penalties being called off a of face off there's enough penalties to call in the game and right. you know when people see when people see a penalty called off a of face off I think it's very frustrating but if we're not going to call them we're not going to be able to establish a standard and control the face-off. So unfortunately, every once in a while, we have to call them. Right. And that's something we've talked to the officials about. And, you know, it's a, it's an everyday process of, uh, but what happens after every game is we have a company which generates a report for us on officiating. So hmm. every penalty is clipped, every offside, every icing, every hit, uh, every goal, and with that is every face-off. And hmm. so I get a report morning, which I also forward on to the official. And so you click one link of face-off, and all of a sudden, boom,
okay. from the night before. Yep. And we're monitoring, we're monitoring the officials' performance, but we're also uh, coaching the officials on on what you know what's a proper face off, what are some of the things we're looking for. So we'll clip, you know pick out certain videos that we, we like to think will show the officials how the best way to do it. Um, we're not expecting perfection from our officials; we're just expecting them to be good. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure some people probably think we're not very good, but <laughs> I get that. But right. um, <laughs> that that all goes with the territory. Mm-hmm. jump to my final question there. Uh, John Gravelis, he's been a longtime friend and he's been officiating as long as I've been broadcasting and I guess uh, the loss to Hockey East on the ice is now to the benefit upstairs that you'll have him uh, in a uh, assisting role to you as the supervisor. I, I first met John Gravelis in 1985 mm. Colorado Springs at a USA Hockey uh, Summer Official Development Camp. Mm. Uh, Mark mm. Rudolph and as, as you mentioned, as a friend, I can certainly consider him a friend that I've got to know over the years and brought a great passion to the game and uh, great that you still have him in that, in that role, in a new role. And uh, Brian, uh, thanks very much. Appreciate your time uh, joining us this week and giving us the uh, perspective uh, from the officials and uh, uh, just wishing you a nice, quiet year. I guess that's the best thing you could say to the supervisor of officials of any league. 
I just want to get through Friday night, Bernie. But, uh, <laughs> it was a privilege. It was a privilege one day at a time. Privilege to be here with you, and we appreciate everything you do for uh, for hockey. So thank you. Hey, thanks very much. Amen to that. Brian Murphy, Supervisor of Officials of Hockey East, the special guest joining us this week on Inside Hockey East, presented by Black Diamond Networks, the experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. Black Diamond Networks provides highly skilled contract professionals to organizations within the life sciences, engineering, and information technology sectors. While other firms are busy sending over resumes, BDN specializes in submitting qualified individuals who have been vetted by our expert team to meet your specific needs. By doing so, we enable our customers to address their critical staffing needs on time and within budget. Let us help you with your long-term success. Black Diamond Networks is experiencing rapid growth nationwide. Our talent acquisition team is eager to meet successful career changers that classify themselves as confident, coachable, and competitive individuals. BDN offers an impressive training program, unlimited income potential, and a long-term opportunity for growth. To learn more about joining our great team as an account executive or recruiter today, please visit www.blackdiamondnet.com or call 978-474-9980. Our offices are located in Andover, Mass., Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, and San Jose, California. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome back to this week's edition of Inside Hockey East. Inside Hockey East presented by Black Diamond Networks. Black Diamond Networks, the experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. And uh, very pleased to have with us our Dynamic Player of the Week. Dynamic Player of the Week is sponsored by Dynamic Sports Route 28 in Reading, Mass. For all your sporting goods and, of course, for all of your hockey needs. A guy that was wielding a hot stick, particularly on Friday night, passed uh, for the Providence College Friars. Sophomore forward from Vancouver, British Columbia, Nick Poisson. Nick, welcome to the show and uh, great to have you uh, with us this week. Thank you for having me. Well, Nick, uh, looking at uh, at the uh, the Friars uh, so far, uh, off to a pretty good start. And I've been uh, talking to just guys uh, from all around the country. Uh, just the give us a little bit of insight. The excitement level <laughs> to be playing hockey in October, uh, to be back after uh, a season that ended abruptly, and then a season that didn't start until about the halfway point last year. Uh, Pretty fortunate, I think, for all of us that we're talking about college hockey starting on time in October. Yeah, I think uh, obviously we are fortunate enough to be able to play games last year, but at the same time, it's, it's a whole different experience um, having fans back in the buildings and and just being able to, to play in front of kind of your friends and your family and, and just to have like the atmosphere of college hockey back. I think that's the big thing that was sort of kind of missed last year but once again very grateful to be able to play games and then just to be able to kind of have a full season this year without really having to worry about some uh, mm. worry about kind of what you can't handle it was very unusual last year with uh, the schedules uh, volatile and and changing on the fly and um, I I just thought about the teams last year coaches uh, generally are so structured uh, in terms of preparation and scouting uh, there were some weeks it was almost like who's our mystery uh, opponent for this week and you kind of get ready in a very short amount of time to be able to prepare for an opponent. Yeah, exactly. There'd be times, you know, I think uh, one of our first games last year, I think it was 11 o'clock.
happy to have this year kind of things running smoothly and hopefully it continues to do that. Yeah, very unusual circumstances last year. Great to uh, to be able to, fingers crossed, put that all uh, in the uh, in, in the rearview mirror for us as we uh, move on down the road of this college hockey season. Uh, once again, the Friars uh, really test themselves. Coach Lehman, as far as a non-conference schedule, uh, he'll take on anybody. He'll he'll get uh, in a position to uh, to play some formidable opponents. You've had a taste of that. Uh, your thoughts going back a weekend? It wasn't a uh, successful weekend as far as the results for the Friars, but in terms of the identity and finding out where you are and what you need to do moving forward, you really played the iron on that icebreaker. I, I said to Coach Lehman last week, if it was the World Cup soccer, that was kind of like going to the group of death out there with Minnesota State and Minnesota Duluth and the uh, the teams who were in that icebreaker. Yeah, I think um, obviously it was, it was a good learning experience for us as a group. I think once you get a tournament, I think we were all, all top ten teams at that point. The other three were top five, so I coming into that as kind of the underdog but still being the top ten team in the nation for us. It was a it was a good learning point to kind of see where we need to get to in order to to be kind of one of those those top five teams in the nation and I think just as a group we kinda of saw what we need to do better and mm-hmm. saw what kinda of worked. So I think it was as much as kinda of we came out of there um, without the results we wanted, I think it was a good learning experience for us as a group. It played uh, Duluth uh, in particular uh, that uh, second game. Very, very tough, tight, one-goal game. Uh, Nick, I'm sure that uh, Coach Lehman uh, imported to you guys that those are the type of games, if you get to the NCAA tournament, really, the more I looked at that Duluth game, that's the type of game that you're going to play in the NCAA tournament to, to look to be successful. Yeah, that, that's something he stressed upon us, and um, it's something just as a group. It's October, but at the same time, like that's that's what our end goal is. Our end goal is to kind of play those games come the end of the season here, and so it's important to kind of stress that that's what we're going to have to do in order to to get to the tournament and to go far in the tournament is, is play those type of games and come out on the winning side of that game. And I think that Duluth game, especially, we were we were good for fifty minutes of the game, but that mm. last ten minutes kind of we didn't have our best so that's kind of what what cost us the game there so we just got to be be good for all 60 and play together as a group and then that uh, certainly didn't let up on friday another uh, brand name college hockey program they came to schneider arena the uh, the denver pioneers uh, great uh, success uh, in the nchc and on the national stage try to make sense i welcome you to try to make sense out of that game i was following that game scoreless first period uh Denver was able to jump, got two. You get one back on a power play. You end up coming out of the second period. You're down three going into the third period, and things just get, get crazy in the in the in the third period. You were right in the middle of it uh, with a hat trick in the third period. Is that something that you hadn't done for a while? Maybe since you were a mite. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I had in a period. I don't know if that's something I've ever done, but a hat trick. I think I I was at least. Uh, 14 or 15, the kind of last time I had one of those. So, <laughs> cool. Yeah, just uh, and uh, success uh, matching uh, the success uh, on the on the power play of, uh, of, of Max Crozier. Max got the first one. You ended up with two power play goals 
in the third period. Two of them assisted by Max Crozier. Give us uh, some insight about your current line mates, Nick, when you're playing at regular situation, but also about uh, how that power play uh, unit is going and and the the fact that Max Crozier was able to get it to you uh, twice and you were able to find the back of the net. Yeah, that was that was huge. Having having Max back is a big a big addition to our team. Obviously, that was his first game of the year, and so getting a guy like him who wears wears letter for us shows leadership is a really good defense and huge addition for us. And kind of to be able to go off the hot start and kind of have a little bit of a like to go back a step in Minnesota, and then just to get him back and kind of. Um, he just helps like a real big push here. And then it's just, it's an awesome group that we have here. You know, everyone competes, everyone plays hard and um, kind of lines are always moving, but uh, being able to kind of play with Parker Ford, Pat Moynihan, Cody Mons, who's been guys who have played with this year, Brett Burrard, they're all, they're all great players. And I've just been kind of lucky to be able to, to kind of work and compete with those guys. And, and they're good, good guys off the ice. So able to kind of talk to them about what we need to do as a line, kind of um, things that we can do. And then uh, kind of our power play this year was a little bit the same as last year, having Mike Callahan run it, Kurt Forge kind of in the same spot. So I think it's just guys learning where, like we kind of know where, where everyone wants to go, what everyone wants to do. So kind of good to kind of build off that from last year and be able to kind of show it this year. Looking at uh, at the the year that you had last year, uh, always tough uh, in terms of the the transition. There is a transition, speed, pace of the game, uh, adjustment to playing in such a competitive league as Hockey East. You seem to warm up to it uh, pr- pretty good. Abbreviated season of 24 games, you got 14 points, and uh, just uh, your thoughts on making that transition uh, after uh, two very productive years for Prince George in the BCHL. Yeah, I think I was I was lucky enough to play for a great organization uh, in the BCHL in Prince George. I think uh, my first year, my first year was a good kind of rookie year there, being able to to learn from a lot of older guys, my brother included, and to be able to be around a group of a lot of guys who moved on to the college level. They really kind of showed me what I need to do in order to to improve my game to be able to make kind of a fluid. Um, progression into college hockey and then kind of last year as a whole obviously um, it was hard not having fans but at the same time it was kind of um, a nice year to have a transition year because it was it was everything was focused on hockey you know you're back in your dorm you're kind of you have to be a bit more low-key about things because you didn't want to get the virus but at the same time it kind of gave you the opportunity to to focus everything on hockey and you kind of just focus mostly on your day about getting to the rink, getting in the gym, eating, and then kind of going back to covering and just kind of doing that, that same routine day in, day out for a lot of the year. And you had the, uh, the advantage I would suspect of your brother uh, being a little bit older, uh, having uh, moved on uh, and making the jump to division one college hockey. You mentioned your brother, Ben, uh, playing at Maine, I'm, I'm sure that was beneficial for you to uh, to have uh, to have that insight that he could provide. Yeah, it was it was great. He's uh, he's been a big role model for me as I've kind of followed him kind of throughout the ranks. Started back when we were um, 
playing U16, U18 hockey at, at Burnaby Winter Club. He went there, kind of made a big decision, and then went to Prince George. I was kind of just lucky enough to be able to follow in his footsteps and learn from him and then kind of just train with them, talking talking hockey with them. I think that's, that's something I'm lucky to be able to have that some kids might not be able to have. Also, uh, talking about the uh, the transition as far as uh, you're coming to Providence, how did that come about? Uh, your brother ended up at Maine, you ended up at Providence. What the recruiting process? Were you targeting uh, hockey east, uh, coming east, to be able to pursue uh, your college career? Yeah, I think um, hockey east is obviously, I think, one of one of the best divisions that there is out there, and I think that was a big a big part in my decision making was. Um, Finding a division that every game was every game was uh, competitive, and there's there's no real off nights in hockey. You know, it's it's anyone can beat anyone. I think that's a big thing that I wanted was to be able to be a part of a competitive division where every night you kind of got to bring your all and bring your best. So um, that was a big a big thing for me, and then also just being able to be on the east coast. With kind of my brother so it's just a bit easier travel for my parents if they ever want to come out here it's um it'd be kind of tough if he was he was on the east coast and i was somewhere kind of further away so it'd be kind of harder for them to make a trip now they kind of just come into boston and i'm an hour away and he's, he's only a couple more yeah, at least they can uh, i was gonna say a little stress on your parents at least they could coordinate that that's a plus for you no doubt yeah no no, no yeah. doubt about that uh Got a, a, a good win, uh, solid effort uh, up at the Wit. You played up on the big pond up at UNH and uh, got a victory to close out the weekend. Uh, it's going to be UNH uh, once again. Uh, your thoughts, uh, what you've uh, learned about uh, UNH playing them for the first time. You'll get them on the uh, more conventional surface before you go up to the to the big sheet again this weekend. Yeah, I think... Um... It'll be a big weekend for us here. It's, it's, it's hard to kind of play a team three times in a row and, and yeah. even harder to, to walk away with three wins. And I think that's kind of what we're shooting for here. And we get a good week to kind of just focus on them, get all our video on them, and kind of just go exactly what we got to do to kind of beat them. And I think um, Sunday we kind of showed, showed our mental toughness as a group coming off that crazy game on Friday and, and then yep. they were kind of sitting us on us all week. So I think that was a big game for us is kind of, we didn't have the legs that we wanted, but we had the mental strength. So I think this, this weekend will be a good kind of test for us to be able to get back under our legs and kind of use what, what we learned last weekend about UNH to kind of to get the best of them this weekend. Best of luck. And uh, Nick, uh, well, whether it be, even strength or on the power play, keep wielding that hot stick, my friend. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Nick Poisson, our guest. He is our player of the week this week on Inside Hockey East, sponsored by Dynamic Sports, our Dynamic Player of the Week, sponsored by Dynamic Sports, Route 28 in Reading, for all your sporting goods and, of course, for all your hockey needs. Joining us here on Inside Hockey East, presented by Black Diamond Networks, the experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. Black Diamond Networks provides highly skilled contract professionals to organizations within the life sciences, engineering, and information technology sectors. While other firms are busy sending over resumes, 
BDN specializes in submitting qualified individuals who have been vetted by our expert team to meet your specific needs. By doing so, we enable our customers to address their critical staffing needs on time and within budget. Let us help you with your long-term success. Black Diamond Networks is experiencing rapid growth nationwide. Our talent acquisition team is eager to meet successful career changers that classify themselves as confident, coachable, and competitive individuals. BDN offers an impressive training program, unlimited income potential, and a long-term opportunity for growth. To learn more about joining our great team as an account executive or recruiter today, please visit www.blackdiamondnet.com or call 978-474-9980. Our offices are located in Andover, Mass., Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, and San Jose, California. Welcome to this week's Hockey East Player Spotlight, presented by Black Diamond Networks, experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. I'm Jenna Van Sickle, and this week's Spotlight features Hannah Bilka of Boston College. The junior was the Hockey East Women's Player of the Week with two goals and a highlight reel assist in last weekend's matchup against Maine. Hannah, Congratulations on the big week and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I've got to ask, last weekend's game against Maine was a season high in points for you, three points. Did you did you do anything different to prepare? Um, no, nothing different, nothing different to prepare. Um, uh, I think I was just excited to play at home, excited to, um, you know, play a team that we didn't play last year. Um, and, you know, rest took, rest took care of itself. <laughs> For sure. And you and Abby Newhook have been contributing a lot to each other's success. So what do you think has made you two so successful as line mates? Um, I mean, I think she's a really smart player. Um, and I'd like to say I'm a smart player as well. Um, and I think we just find each other. Um, you know, it's, it's easier to, it's easy to play when, um, she's in the right spot, um, you know, and she's giving me the puck, I'm giving her the puck. So, uh, it flows pretty well. And your team as a whole are six and zero on the season. So what can you attribute those wins to? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, it's just, we're off to a good start. Um, you know, I think we're just gelling well on and off the ice. Um, I think we just keep getting better every game. Um, and we're not um, satisfied with, you know, every with any win. I think we're always like improving. To, we always want to get better every game. And then looking back at before your time at BC. So I know you're from Texas. You played hockey in Minnesota. What made you pick BC as your program to go to? Yeah, I mean, I, aside from the hockey, I love the school, love the city of Boston. Um, and then hockey, you know, kind of speaks for itself. I mean, the historical players um, that have come before me, the coaches, you know, were very welcoming of me. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with it the first time I came on campus. And then looking forward this weekend, you have two big games against Crosstown rival Northeastern. What will be the key in winning those games against the Huskies? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, competing hard um, the full 60 minutes. I think when we start, um, you know, like we did versus Maine with a, with a great period. And then if we can just continue that all three periods, I think, um, you know, it's, we're going to have a good game versus them. And then even farther out, your team 
will be participating in the Smashville NCAA Women's Hockey Showcase in late November. What are you looking forward to about that experience? Yeah, um, so I went there my freshman year and we played Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, and it was it was awesome, like the atmosphere of, you know, it was a packed house, um, you know, playing teams that you that you don't usually play, I think is really exciting. Um, and yeah, just to, I think the travel, the whole uh, experience on the trip is is so fun. Um, we always do like fun off ice things. Um, yeah, so I, I just say the whole experience and I'm really looking forward to it. All right, well, that was Hannah Bilka, junior and forward for Boston College. And that'll do it for this week's women's hockey feature on Inside Hockey East, presented by Black Diamond Networks, experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. The Wicked Good Play of the Week here on Inside Hockey East, presented by Black Diamond Networks, is brought to you by Wicked Bagel. Wicked Bagel, the place for handmade fresh bagels. Boston's best, baked fresh, baked daily. At 171 Mass Ave in Lexington, soon coming to Woburn and Boston. Go to wickedbagel.com. The Wicked Good Play of the Week was made by UMass Lowell sophomore forward Andranic Armstrong Kincaid. His shorthanded goal extended the Riverhawks' lead to 3 to nothing versus Michigan State after two periods. Andranic would add another goal in the third in a 4 to nothing UMass Lowell victory. Hockey East by the Numbers on Inside Hockey East, presented by Black Diamond Networks, is brought to you by Local 438 Grill and Sport at 125 Main Street in Stoneham. The ultimate in sports pubs, Local 438 has all the NFL games and all the NCAA action from the gridiron, hard court, and the rink. Local 438 was recognized on the NHL network as the hockey bar in New England. If it's on ice, we've got it at Local 438. From the NHL to the NCAA. So check out Local 438 by going to What's Cooking at Local438.com. The Hockey East by the Numbers number of the week is 25. That's the number of Colorado College shots turned aside by Northeastern netminder Devin Levy in a 3-0 shutout of the Tigers at Matthews Arena. Hockey East in the NHL is presented by Paul Vincent Hockey. Since 1972, Paul Vincent Hockey has been the top development program in the country for serious players. In the words of legendary founder and two-time Stanley Cup champion Paul Vincent, there is always room for player development. Enhance your development at pvphockey at aol.com. This is Owen Gund with your Hockey East in the NHL Player of the Week. Presented by Black Diamond Networks. Experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. This week's player is Cam Atkinson of the Philadelphia Flyers. The Boston College product potted two goals in a 5-3 win over the previously unbeaten Edmondson Oilers on Wednesday. Through five games, Atkinson has tallied seven points and his Flyers currently hold a 3-1-1 record. That's your Hockey East in the NHL Player of the Week, presented by Black Diamond Networks. Experts in technical staffing, building one relationship at a time. Black Diamond Networks provides highly skilled contract professionals to organizations within the life sciences, engineering, and information technology sectors. 
while other firms are busy sending over resumes, BDN specializes in submitting qualified individuals who have been vetted by our expert team to meet your specific needs. By doing so, we enable our customers to address their critical staffing needs on time and within budget. Let us help you with your long-term success. Black Diamond Networks is experiencing rapid growth nationwide. Our talent acquisition team is eager to meet successful career changes that classify themselves as confident, coachable, and competitive individuals. BDN offers an impressive training program, unlimited income potential, and a long-term opportunity for growth. To learn more about joining our great team as an account executive or recruiter today, please visit www.blackdiamondnet.com or call 978-474-9980. Our offices are located in Andover, Mass., Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, and San Jose, California.